1895, the state of Ohio had only two automobiles. And wouldn't you know it, they collided. <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows what kind of collision we're going to have in the days ahead. If you dare vote for a decree that God finds abominable and murderous, you will answer to him. God's curse is upon you. How dare you? How dare you? defy him. Strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. When is the time for justice? The time is now. I'm tired of waiting for incremental solutions that never make any increments and never bring solutions. So when is the time for justice? It's now. I said to every sinner, God broke the law for love. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. If the court in a nation is the highest authority, then you've found a God. If the people are the highest authority, then you've found another God. If, if there's no transcendent law governing over this nation or any other nation, then you've found another God. It's never too early to learn that the government is a greedy piglet that suckles on a taxpayer's teat until they have sore, chapped nipples. Take the guns first, go through due process second. Please clap. Just as the church has an obligation to be Christian, just as the family has an obligation to be Christian, just so the school has an obligation to be Christian, and the state, and your calling, and the school, every area of life must recognize Christ as Lord and Savior. Welcome back to Cross and Crown Radio, an unapologetically Christian reconstructionist talk show for your edification and your enjoyment. Jesus is King. There is no neutrality, no exile, no surrender. My name is Jason. I'm one of the hosts here. I'm here with John. Howdy, howdy. And Jordan. A to the men. Are you guys doing okay tonight? And to the women out there. Yeah, and the children. <laughs> very, very woke of you, Jordan. <laughs> All of the... I uh, try. All of the nursing infants who are also listening, <laughs> hello to you. Yes, gather the nursing infants. Yeah. Cross and Ground Radio is here. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thanks for joining us again for week number two, season two, episode two. Um, we're going to cover a lot of ground tonight, but before we get into that, thank you all for joining us, especially last week. We had a great time with Joel uh, McDermott, Dr. McDermott, a friend of ours. His new book, A Consuming Fire. If you missed that episode, make sure you go check it out. It was fire. What did you guys think of that anyway? That was the low-hanging fruit joke. I just took that. Well, it was fire, first of all. Yeah. Uh, no, it was great. Great. We always enjoy having uh, Joel around, and it was a great conversation, and I learned some stuff, and uh, hopefully other people did too. I know it's a hot topic, but... Uh, <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, I hope it's edifying. I hope it creates more conversation. Well, yeah. if you don't know... The book has fire on it. Right. And the consuming fire. Do, yes. do you get it? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, and I think, you know, we're probably going to come back to it because it's engendering a lot of discussions out there on Theonomy Q&A. If you're not in Theonomy Q&A, go head over there. There's more discussions ensuing, and we'll bring it back up. We'll talk about it some more. 
after we've had a chance to sort of uh, marinate on it a little more. So right, absolutely. As new arguments come forth and you know rebuttals, I, we'll cover it again. New innovative looking, terms. Looking uh, forward to some new innovative t- uh, the- theologies. <laughs> yeah, Joel, if you're listening, we can't wait to see what you come up with next. No, I have to say, like I I love the discussion mostly because I think too often these topics end up being just shouting matches and here's Joel who has spent a lot of time just trying to do the exegetical work he's trying yeah. to do the exegesis this isn't just um, him you know speaking out of both sides of his mouth he's really working hard to come up with a system a solution to really the theonomic age-old problem of how do we know what applies and what doesn't right yeah and that is worthy well, of respect you know what whichever side of this you fall on he certainly has raised the bar Right. As far as the expectations, like what you would need to do uh, to show your position. And something else is, that's cool about it is he just released the entire book in PDF format for oh, yeah. free. So if you're sitting out there and you didn't want to put down the money for it, it's actually available for you yeah. on PDF. If, if you hate Joel's guts and you don't want to give him money. Yeah, well, I prefer <laughs> to read out of a book, but there's right. no excuse for you people. Exactly. No excuse. Yeah, it's worth it's worth the purchase it's too. So don't. I mean, it. if you can do it, do it. Go go support his work and get educated. Find out what the topic is. Learn about it, and then have an informed discussion about it. Certainly. And I, I guarantee you, if you read this book, you will learn something. Guaranteed. If John Frame did, I think others probably will too. Yeah, most definitely. Well, yeah. If you missed that episode, go back and listen. That was season two, episode one. Um, Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about the kingdom-oriented church, talk about a news item, uh, a recent problem, if you will, with another mega church guy. We'll get to that. Um, But before we dive into all of that, though, oh, and later, yeah, later we want to cover the Democratic debate. We want to dig in a little bit. Uh, So (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of fodder for us to discuss. Anyway, that said, listeners, a um, couple things just for you to consider. One, thank you again for your feedback and, and all of your uh, encouragement. Uh, it's just we appreciate it so very much. Um, we want to do something for you, with you. I don't know. Um, we have our podcasts on a lot of places, Spotify, it's on iTunes, Google Play. Would you do us a favor? If you could, kindly go leave us a review, and we would love to read it. We'd love to read it on, on the air, right? <clears throat> on iTunes? On iTunes, it could be um, on Facebook too. I think you had a Facebook one uh, that came in. I did, and we're what we're going to do is we're going to read these reviews every week on the air, right? And so you're going to hear your review, and we appreciate it as well. So, a win ne- negative or positive reviews. Yeah, negative. If you have something of a concern, you can let us know. I'm about to read a negative review that we got. Oh, we're going to start with the negative and not the positive. No, okay. we'll start with the positive. Eh, either way, you know. They're both good. positive in their own way. <laughs> yeah. As you'll see. <laughs> That's true. That's a good observation. Well, let's read that one because if you didn't see it last week, we, we uh, well, we received a review and uh, this person decided to not really give anything of substance, sadly which we're more than willing to listen to. Uh, certainly, if you have a theological concern, those types of things, let us know. We're all ears. But do you want to want to go ahead and... All right. Well, this gentleman who, like Voldemort, shall be re- re- remain nameless. <laughs> I can get that out. So um, the review is, doesn't recommend Cross and Crown Radio. Where's our producer with a womp, womp, womp? Womp, womp. I tried. So, <laughs> doesn't recommend Cross and Crown Radio. Warmed over SJW evangelicalism. Did he spell evangelicalism? 
No unique voice in Christian podcast. Just more left-leaning white noise. Left-leaning. Ouch. I, last time I checked, do those on the quote-unquote left, uh, do they want to abolish government schools? I, does, does the right even want to do that? No, not at all. Come we're, to think of it? We're right of right as far as that paradigm goes. <laughs> do they we want believe to... homosexuality is sin. We want to abolish abortion. We are opposed to government schools. We want to eliminate socialism entirely. Yeah, so Altogether. we've talked about social justice before. This isn't exactly new news, but we want to stress that we, you know, we accept and we are thankful for all reviews, both uh, informed and uninformed, and kind and unkind. But uh, we also want to toss out an idea. Um, try to be constructive. Try to make sense. Try not to just be, frankly, petty. Because although we do accept and want all sorts of reviews, this particular gentleman, who, who shall remain unnamed, um, I've personally have been aware of him and been friends and that's a you know an ironic friends social media friends i don't know about six to seven years and this is just typical of this sort of individual yeah and so it's just kind of a sad thing you know he goes around trolling people and yeah um smearing them and so forth by typical you you're basically saying um throwing out vague generalities uh critiquing a position by just saying well that's marxist or that is left-leaning well, exactly. So he's never made a, he's never met a position that he wasn't vitriolically opposed to it in like the most rabid and uh, severe way. Like if he disagrees with you on something, it's because you're like of the devil, right? But I think it's a good opportunity for us because we can just further clarify that you know when we t- we've and we've explicitly said this when we talked about social justice that we are for justice in society according to God's law standard in the Bible right. and that we reject any attempt to implement socialism under the guise of social justice. We're in so, favor of social justice in the same way that we're on social media. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know how we can make that any clearer but i think the people who know know yeah um and the other because the other point is that it is true that we're calling for some positions that are traditionally aligned with the left in terms of and not the right in terms of ending the drug war Mm -hmm. in terms of stopping world policing mass incarceration prison policies uh, the surveillance state harassing immigrants um and so but the thing is that all those policies commonly associated with, with the right, many of them are also supported just less quietly by the left. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure at Cross and Crown Radio that we are not being co-opted by either the left or the right and that we are sticking you know, straight on God's truth and biblical law. Right. Take the flight. And part of the reason for bringing this up is because this is the, this is the normal conversation that takes place on social media and even interpersonal communication with regard to these issues um, it's just easier to name call it's easier to label someone you're left-leaning or you're you must be a marxist which i've ventured to say 99 percent of the people who say that have never even read marx or Engels or anything from the communist manifesto or any of their other works well they're not doing anything different than the progressive on a college campus that they would lampoon that just kind of screeches racist racist and they say oh look how ridiculous that millennial is you know with kind of scorn in their tone of voice yeah. they're not doing anything different but instead of screaming racist they're screaming marxist and that doesn't mean that there are no racist and there that doesn't mean that there aren't any marxists yeah but these words actually have meanings and they're not to be tossed around as 
uh, demonization tool just to shut down conversation. Yep, ad hominem. You know, when you're all out of argument, just call somebody a name. That seems to be where it goes. But again, the point being, it's illustrative of the nature of communication today where we... The, the biblical approach is to say you have people made in the image of God who identify as Democrat or liberal. And because they're made in the image of God, they're going to get things right. right. Whether yeah. you're a donkey or a Republican, mm-hmm. right? Or a, right. an elephant, you're going to get things right. And that just means that they've reflected the image of God. And we have to acknowledge that, that they're borrowing from the Christian worldview. And we have to toe the line. We have to hold biblical law in its place and call things for what they are. And if somebody from the left, Joe Biden, Lord forbid, right? And we agree with Joe Biden on something. Well, that's because he took it from us. Yeah. Just wait long enough and Joe Biden will disagree with the position again anyway. <laughs> and that's one that's thing right. that I've noticed, like studying immigration, for example, is that it traditionally was a position of the left. And then it switched, not because the the ethics and the ideologies and the primary philosophies of these these people changed, but because the political landscape changed. Right. Because the, the voting blocks changed. So to be... Uh, pragmatists, they change their position, but the ideology remained the same. It's it's very much the same with all sorts of issues mm-hmm. yep. where uh, the, the ruling two parties will change their views depending on voting blocks, not because of ethics and philosophy. Bingo. Everything's ethical. So speaking of ethics, you have negative, positive. Give us something positive. All right. you want to add? I'd be happy to. So uh, this is a uh, more pleasant review with uh, Trevlin McCallum. And this is a brother, I believe, out in Australia, down under. Uh, and I apologize. Negative. No? I think it's Tasmania. <laughs> Tasmania. I thought you were going to say like South Africa or something. No, it's it's ta- I think it's Tasmania. Is Tasmania yeah. not part Hopefully of it's not New Zealand. Is that I want to get in trouble with everybody. Wait, is that is all Tasmania the same? Not, I think it's Tasmania. It's part of Australia. I, I, well, sure, it is. He can, is it he can my cor- fault? correct us. Send right. us a quick my direct message here on Facebook. Trevlin, what's going on? Let's see. All right, so Trevlin <laughs> says, and I quote, Crossing Crown Radio isn't just about theory. This show is about applying God's law word to all of life. Sacred cows of modernity are not bowed to. They are identified and dispatched with from the scriptures. It's a great resource for Christendom. Thank you. That is wonderful. Thank you Thanks, so much. That is very gracious of you, brother. Yeah. Very gracious. So all that to all that to say, if you want to leave us a review, please do. You can uh, review it on Facebook, go to iTunes, and just let us know. And we'd love to to read your review on on air here. So, a couple other housekeeping issues. One, uh, you might recall last season we announced Cross and Crown Seminary, and this is a an intentional discipleship program that we've crafted and curated to help you in your theological studies. And not just your theology of it, um, just you applying it. Um, one of our students is actually overseas, and uh, I just had checked it, checked in with him last week and said, hey, how's things going? How's your studies? He's reading, trying to write um, to get this first paper done. Um, but he also had some questions. It was actually a church discipline issue. So it was kind of neat to be able to give some feedback and interact with him, to pray with him and for him Yeah, in, the, in that situation. And what we want to do is encourage that. So Cross and Crown Seminary exists. You can go to the website, crosscrownchurch.com. You could check it out. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work. Uh, you're gonna read, write, do some memorization and those things, but I think it's helpful. And and again, if I if I didn't already say this, uh, I think I mentioned it last, last season, 
But the whole point was, is what would I have wanted, you know, a decade ago when I was first getting involved in Christian reconstruction, Mm -hmm. what would I have wanted? What could I have benefited from? And it was this, Mm -hmm. this is the result of that. So I've spent a lot of time trying to make this easy and simple, but also challenging so that you can learn. And what we decided to do, here's kind of the, the announcement is we're just going to open it up to whoever wants to do it. They can start whenever they want. They don't have to wait till the fall. Um, if you want to start tomorrow, go ahead shoot us an email. You can find that information on the website. Everything's lined up there and, and you can do that. I've been so encouraged to hear some of the success stories and just how things have been going so far. So just praise God for that. And And, yeah, one of the students I met up with, I was down in Tennessee for kind of a quick family vacation weekend and met up with one of our students there and just had a good chat for about an hour poolside at the hotel. Did you require that he call you professor? uh, Dean Dean of students. Dean of students, Garwood. Yeah. uh, President. Dr. Dean. Yeah. Yeah. Any academic title you want is fine. Uh, I'm the chair of my own oh, department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Ch- yeah. Chancellor. Chancellor, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead and check out the website. Yeah, it's really encouraging. And, and, and by the way, this isn't just for somebody who wants to be a pastor. Um, it's for everybody. Right. If you're a stay-at-home mom uh, or you're a mom who's working or whatever the situation is, like we want to encourage you and challenge you. Uh, so please, yep. check it out. Anyone who wants to serve the kingdom, right? Yep. That's the aim, the kingdom first. Um, one other thing, I mentioned this last week briefly, but I don't know if you guys are going to, you're going to miss me, I think, but I'm going to be gone soon. Yes. <laughs> Finally. Party time. Finally. What are we going to do without you? No, yeah. no we will we'll, miss we'll, you, brother. We'll miss you, we'll miss you I, I, My aim is to take all of you with me someday. someday. But we, we've, we've been really crossing crown church. Our aim has been the nations. We've, you know, that's, that's the great commission. That's what we want to do. And so part of that has been laying the foundation in Zambia. So I'm going to be heading back to Zambia very soon. And what's exciting about the opportunity is I'm putting on a Bible conference essentially at the university and uh, talking about the biblical worldview. And what I know from my last experience last year, uh, they're just hungry for it. My hope is out of it to start training folks, maybe even get them enrolled in the seminary to get this biblical worldview. And I would love to see us plant churches there to kingdom oriented, kingdom oriented, kingdom focused. Um, And I'm just it's it's really exciting because they're craving that there. They are craving it. All they've all they've you know, most I would say most I don't think that's an overstatement. Most churches are over there with the name it and claim it brigade. There is a high-handed dispensationalist, yep. uh, dispensationalism, I should say, over there. So either they're waiting around for the rapture or they're waiting in line for their demonic activity to be exercised. Um, and there is such stuff. I get that. Um, we, we would believe in that. But, you know, there's more to the kingdom than the church. There's more to the kingdom than just what the church does on Sunday, which actually is a, is a coincidentally, a segue very if nice. that wasn't <laughs> obvious, I like it. <laughs> Kingdom oriented local church. Jordan, something happened in the news recently with a mega church former pastor. Yeah. What What are we talking about here? Yeah. So, Joshua Harris, a lot of you have um, heard this, these goings on. So, it's a sad situation. Uh, we had a pastor, former pastor, uh, for a long time at a church up near our way, actually. And, um, uh, you know, he came out on Instagram that he and his wife were separating, put it out there publicly with a picture of both of them. 
um, and just explaining, you know, privacy, please. And then about a week later, he came out with another post saying essentially that he had walked away from the faith. Um, and again, an Instagram public post that he's yeah. broadcasting out there. And, um, you know, this is a guy who was uh, a very thought of as talented, um, you know, up and coming. He wrote the famous book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. He was sort of a, a Christian celebrity in many circles anyways. And um, it was shocking, you know, to a lot of people. And, um, you know, we don't have to say too much about this, but it is worth saying that he did go through a difficult time at his former church where they were going through um, a sexual abuse scandal um, where there was um, just a lot of ugly stuff going on. And, um, you know, apparently that took a toll on him. Um, we don't know the whole story. But I think there are a couple of a couple of quick lessons that we can pull from this. And I don't know, John, if you wanna you wanna start off. You had um, said something about something that had occurred to you. Oh, I mean, there's a lot that could be said, but I only really want to say a few things. And for, first of all, he's responsible for himself. He's gonna stand before God by himself mm-hmm. someday, and he's either gonna confess the faith and. Christ's blood will cover over him or not. And we don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, We do know that he's not confessing the faith now, which is very important. And so there's this personal responsibility that has to be acknowledged. Um, The other thing that I would like to say is that he is a human being with a soul and with people he loves in his life and desires and all sorts he's a full human being and he's not just a pawn in a theological debates on social media Mm -hmm. like he's an actual person and this could apply to so many other people this could apply to so many other people that we have talked about that other people talk about on social media and it's fine to talk about these things i think it's perfectly fine to discuss these things especially when you're a public person you put yourself out there that opens the door to criticism but we also need to understand that they're real people who have real hurts and they don't end up where they're at on you know just out of the blue there's right. reasons for why these things happen mm-hmm. so all I'm really saying is show some empathy like right. treat him like a real person and not just a pawn on like your theological war chessboard right because right. one of the reactions I had at first I, I was you know saddened there's a marriage that's broken right that's sad that's not anything to be mm-hmm. to rejoice um, we don't know the circumstances who knows adultery I, I don't know we don't know um, but then the post that came out where he was basically renouncing the faith, you know, he apologized to the pedophilia community and the, um, greed community or no, it was, sorry. It was none of that. It was the LGBTQ community. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of looking at that and saying, okay, what, what's going on here is, you know, I've heard some comments. Well, he's gonna, you know, come. Across, he's gonna come out as a homosexual soon. Just, I'll bet you twenty bucks that he t- comes out gay. That kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And and that super may, classy. Maybe that's the case. Yeah. Um. But why are we, why are we celebrating that folly, by, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. It just bothers me because because I, I I did think that like why is he apologizing, to the homosexual community because that's like that's the one thing you're not allowed to address and and i i have the ability to both critique 
the pagan worldview behind that. I have the ability to, to you know, lay out scripture, Romans 1, you know, Leviticus, yada, yada, um, all those things where we would say homosexuality is a sin against God. We're there. I'm right there with you. But for whatever reason, this just becomes, well, in your words, uh, what did you say? A pawn. Right. Right. Um, He's just a playing piece on, you know, social media theology war chessboard. Right. And certainly needs to be prayed for. And hopefully somebody will come alongside him and help. Um, But yes, we've seen this. You know, we've seen the Mark Driscoll uh, implosion. We've seen Perry Noble. We've seen James McDonald. There has been big issues. But let's move a little bit from that and, and just... (laughs) <laughs> Let's agree that we have institutional problems too. Well, yeah, that leads to one last thing about Joshua Harris is I think that he did have, uh, he did get disillusioned with some of the corruption and some of the sin that he saw in in other leaders, and I think that probably disillusioned him. And so the the cautionary tale there for for leaders is you know you you may be responsible for somebody falling astray. That's a biblical category, um, and so be warned. You know your sin it causes devastating. Uh, effects not just in your life you can't even predict all the ways that Mm -hmm. sin will um, cause destruction and the other from the other side of that is if you are somebody who has been victimized by somebody um, or or you've just witnessed hypocrisy or corruption or or deceit or sin from a a leader or a pastor um, you know your faith isn't in them and so don't allow your faith to be shipwrecked by the sin of a leader because again your faith is not in them your faith is in Christ and if it's not in Christ and somebody fails you it's going to become real quick that what you had was an idol mm-hmm. Amen. And so you know on both sides of that there's there's a cautionary tale jo- Joshua Harris you know you know let's let's pray that he repents but he's going to be responsible if he does not mm-hmm. um, you know so on both sides there's there's lessons to be learned yeah and the disillusionment you're right that's a good way to 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 describe it because it's not it may be things he contributed to it right he sure. he he may have not just a sin of omission, but a sin of commission. He may have contributed to the fiasco that was these abuse scandals at, at Sovereign Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't know. I, I wasn't there. You weren't. There. You guys weren't there. Um, but it does, a lot of this lends itself to what I see as God's judgment in large part in a lot of ways. I don't know the mind of God, but it seems as though um, the way the church, generally speaking, has functioned, has chosen to function, is to be a very inward institution building, non-kingdom focused type of thing, mm-hmm. and and that's what that's why we say kingdom oriented local church. Um, these guys get propped up because they're great speakers. They're they're motivational. They're they're like Andy Stanley, you know, just celebrity, evocative, and they just reach into your soul. The Stephen Furtick's, you know, who can who may have helped people in times of distress. Mm-hmm. I'll acknowledge that. That's fine and dandy. Um, but the institution, in a lot of t- in a lot of ways, it just fosters and feeds on this type of abuse and the secrecy, uh, the closed door meetings, and, and a lot of this stuff is just entirely unhelpful and, and unhealthy. And and I, I do I do feel bad for him. Yeah, when when you have the church, and the church is the same thing as the kingdom, and you're the pastor, you're the celebrity, you're the one that everyone looks to, you're the center of the church. You're now also the center of the kingdom. 
right so that is a crown that you've got on your head that is far too heavy for you to bear and it usually manifests itself in a couple of ways either you become a megalomaniac right. jerk <laughs> um, and sometimes it's more detectable than others and we've seen you know the Mark Driscoll's the James McDonald's others who have just you know spun out as a result of this megalomaniac stuff where they were the king of the castle in the kingdom and the church yep. when they because those things are allegedly the same or it can it can create a sort of a toxic situation where I think more like what happened with Joshua Harris. Um, you know, we can only speculate. But but the key theological doctrine that we have to remember is that the kingdom, and that you were alluding to this, Jason, the kingdom is bigger than the church. The kingdom encapsulates everything that Christ has authority over, right? And so that's the, the institution of the church is not the only institution. We've got the family, we've got the state or the civil magistrate. And then, you know, we got all areas of life, business and education and sports and right. This, the, all of these things belong to Christ. And so if you're serving as a businessman or woman or you're, you know, uh, a, a stay at home mom or a homemaker, or whatever you want to call it, or whatever your vocation, you are serving the kingdom. Just like somebody who's 90 percent of their work is serving the church is serving the kingdom. You're both doing it. Right. Right. It's all about where where is it rooted. It's not as though the church somehow gives birth to the kingdom. The kingdom is what gives birth to the church. And once we figure out that part, I think the rest is fairly easy. Just a, a personal testimony real quick, and then we're going to have to hit, hit a break. But uh, like for me, I was in that world for a long time. And I thought that this type of institutionalism, I could uh, reform. I could change. And so I slowly began to to preach this comprehensive worldview. I, I slowly began to try to challenge people. Look, we, we are called to be the church. We're called to serve the kingdom, and that means what you do at your job matters, right? And all these things. And in a lot in a lot of ways, honestly, it became. I felt a little burned out um, because I w- I want. <laughs> That's what happens a lot of the time. Yeah, I didn't want to be the gatekeeper. It's foisted on you, though. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you might say, well, you're the guy who's standing up on the stage and preaching every week. Why isn't anybody else? Well, I mean, okay, there's legitimacy, legitimacy to that. Um, but that type of world is very hard to get people who aren't kingdom focused to become kingdom focused. Right. Absolutely. And, and what I'm hearing a lot out there is frustrated pastors who are looking at their congregation and they're casual about their Christianity and they don't know why. And they're frustrated. So what do they do? They start giving these sermons that just guilt trip the heck out of the congregation, basically saying things like, you know, if we didn't have air conditioning in here and if we didn't have entertainment, would you even come? Yeah. You know, and all the while they're fomenting this culture of casual Christianity. If you want to do away with casual Christianity, the solution is Christendom. Build Christendom. Build authentic, interdependent Christian community. Because you can build a really good club with friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, church is made mm-hmm. up of good friendships. You can make a great club, but you cannot make a civilization out of friendship alone. You have to move beyond that where you're actually depending on each other in all areas of life. And you can smell this. If a church has this culture, most of them don't. But if they do, you can smell it from a mile away um, where you can say, you know, this is a certain level of community that I appreciate, but it's not that substantive. Like if you don't, if you're not getting together for a barbecue or for a Bible study, what do you do with the other people in your congregation? You know, do you do, do you educate your children together? Do you, um, do you do business together? Do you um, have lending networks together? Um, you know, it goes on and on and on and on. Some churches have it to a small degree here and there, but most of the time the focus in, in the, 
church culture that these pastors are creating is about sort of a segmented Christianity culture, segmented mm -hmm. from the rest of life. And then they have a, a, an eschatology and a theology and a pietism that just gives rocket fuel to, to that casual Christianity culture. Then they stand in front, I have to say it, David Platt, um, Francis Chan, I've seen them do it. And I, these are sincere brothers in Christ. They're not reprobate. You know, they're, I've done a lot of great things. Right. But I can see the frustration looking at their congregation, putting this burden on them. But they're just doing certain other things that are... Uh, not conducive to the solution. You, you, you're stuck in the rat race of I gotta I gotta have tithe money because we have bills to pay. You're absolutely right, and and honestly, it's not just the Platts. It's not just the Southern Baptist all mill guys. There is a culture of like so-called old guard theonomists, mm -hmm. mostly from the Southern Presbyterian sort of tradition, and they have all these abstract ideas about Christian Reconstructionism, but their entire church polity is inward focused. And that's why their churches are dying and they're losing influence every every year. Uh, of course, they'll put on a conference and you know invite a Nazi, but less people go every year. They lose money every year. They lose people every year. They lose influence every year. And a lot of the reason is this exact thing. They have the abstractions and they might have a lot of Rush Dooney books, but they don't do anything in the kingdom of God that is beyond the walls of their own local church. Yeah. So just to encourage people out there, because I don't want to put a, a huge burden on you, like if you're not doing that today, then there's little things that you can do to start doing that today. It's not out of your reach. Now, I want to be clear, building Christian Christendom, like a mini civilization, it doesn't happen overnight. <laughs> it takes time. Um, there's no shortcuts. You can't fake it. Um, you know, it takes hard work. But if you at least orient yourself towards the mission of what we're doing here is to build Christendom, is to take all things and, and bring it under the manifestation of Christ's rule. He already rules, but just all of life, you want to you know, orient it towards Christ in every area. If, if you start to do that consciously and explicitly and you teach your congregations that, you're at least going to start right that process. So you know, take baby steps if, if that's what you need to do. But it'll, it'll prevent a vacuum from opening up for the secularism for everybody to just gravitate towards that if you mm -hmm. don't have an all of life view. And then you don't have intergenerational thinking. There's yes. just, it's just flash in the pan that for the is moment. Mandatory. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, man, good, good stuff. Uh, I have to say, Jordan, I love your hat, by the way. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening to this and Swag. not watching the video, you can't see it, but yeah, the Cross and Crown Church snapback hat. Just arrived in the mail this afternoon. Did it? Just in time. <laughs> nice, just in time. I love it. Anyway, you can check us out on Facebook. Check out our website, crosscrowncurch.com. Uh, connect with us on Facebook. We'd love to talk to you. Love to hear from you. Um, but we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about well, we got more. the Democrats. we got a lot more. Yeah. So hang tight. We will be back in a moment. The bloods and the crips and the KKK. But if you only have love for your own race, then you only leave space to discriminate. And to discriminate only generates hate. And when you hate, then you're bound to get irate. Madness is what you demonstrate, and that's exactly how anger works and operates. Man, you gotta have love just to set it straight. Take control of your mind and meditate. Let your soul gravitate to the love, y'all, y'all.
is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle, and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Matthew 20, 1-16. Amen. Amen. Great passage. We'll come back to it shortly so keep that in mind welcome back to crossing crown radio we want to get into our discussion uh with regard to the democratic debate maybe you watched it maybe you didn't we're going to give you some highlights interact on some key topics of course topics that are quite interesting hot topics especially and one of those first topics was the issue of minimum wage minimum wage laws now, I can't recall exactly who it was who was in the clip. I don't know if you remember, Jordan. Um, I believe it is Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, the that's mayor. Right. And uh, just a disclaimer, you know, Democratic debate. I, I don't know anybody who who loves watching it personally. I mean, unless you're like a <laughs> hardcore Democrat who just loves these candidates. It's painful to watch this whole thing. So if you're... Uh, you know, for our listeners, you know, you're going to have the we're going to do you the favor of saving you from having to actually watch the Democratic debate. And we're going to give you a few key highlights. All right. So this first one, we're going to queue up and then you know, we'll just talk about it. As I propose to do some of this is low tech too. like the minimum wage is just too low. And so-called conservative Christian senators right now in the Senate are blocking a bill to raise the minimum wage when scripture says that whoever oppresses the poor taunts their maker. Yeah, all right. Well, it sounds like an open and shut case, right? If you're a Christian, you, you're cool with the minimum wage. Well, right? he, he does have one thing right. Whenever he was almost sarcastically saying that they're a conservative Christian, 
He's right about that. Right. <laughs> they're not actually Christians, and they're not actually conservative, conservative, at least not in the way it's traditionally used. Uh, but he's very much wrong that that's what the text means. It is in the Bible, though. It's Proverbs 14, 31. Uh, but does that actually mean, like, increase the minimum wage, Jordan? No. I mean, the Bible has this concept called property rights. And all you know, pronouncements about how we should be kind to the poor and so forth assumes this property right being enforced, right? So um, when it says, you know, look out for the poor, that's talking about person-to-person charity. Mm-hmm. That's talking about actually take money out of your own pocket and give it to someone in need, right? Not have a third party, you know, take money from another third party and give it to a fourth party, right? So we have to make that right. distinction right away. You know, Getting the government to coerce someone else for you to give someone else something is not charity. It's it's not what God considers charity. That is theft, right? And so when Which, we're sorry, also yeah. happens to be a real verse. You shall not steal. Thou shalt not Exodus steal. twenty fifteen yes. and several other places. Right. Let's just say if Exodus twenty fifteen is a good verse and it's true, but so is Proverbs fourteen thirty one. It's just this fella has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, exactly. And this is an actual instance of somebody who is trying to use scripture to foment socialism and evil on society. And in this case, in the manifestation of of minimum wage laws. So and you identified the correct place to start. You start with the moral response. You don't start, you don't get your calculators out and you and start, oh, it's actually good in the pragmatic, blah, 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 blah. No, you start, God has said, thou shalt not steal. And let's start there. Because it's, you know, mm-hmm. to, to combat Pete Buttigieg, you're coming at him with a calculator, you're going to lose because he's arguing for morality, even if he's wrong. you got to come out with him and, and say, you know, Mayor Pete, you are, you know, calling for evil and shame on, on you for calling for evil, mm-hmm. you know. It's a good so. example of the reason that law is intrinsically tied to ethics because he's starting out saying we ought to do this. Right. So ought presupposes something some right? kind of moral standard some, some standard some morality that he's coming from and we want to attack that we want to go after that especially because now he's he's working with a standard and behind that standard is a god and there's all these things that are attached to it um but let's just can we deal with minimum wage for a second yeah what why well first of all does minimum wage help people if you're a politician, it helps you, right? <laughs> because it makes for a winning political stunt, right. which is what it is. And um, you see all it's, these it's stories. Covetousness. It's people wanting yeah. other people's preying. On, yeah, politicians preying on people's envy right. and covetousness. Yeah. So, um, what you know, they're, they're great PR because you know you can you can say, hey, this person is going to get a bigger wage. But uh, of course, in economics. The issue is always the unintended consequences, the broken glass fallacy, as has that we'll talk about, where you don't take into account, well, what would have been done with that money or that opportunity had that regulation not been in place? And so, uh, you know, with minimum, as a result of minimum wage laws being imposed, they always cause catastrophes where they're implemented. They frequently roll them back when they figure out how bad they are. But, But let's think about what they do. First of all, if you're a business owner, and you have to um, now have a, a higher wage. You've got a certain wage. Now you've got a higher wage. You know these people aren't Scrooge McDuck just you know diving in their pools of money. You know and oh I, I don't want to pay people. <laughs> you know they're gonna open fewer new stores or they're, they're gonna expand less than they may otherwise would have. They're gonna hire fewer employees than maybe they otherwise would have. They're maybe gonna have to raise prices on consumers 
which is sort of like a hidden tax of inflation that minimum wage will levy on people. Again, there's you can't put a political slogan on that one, right? So it's just, um, and then and then a lot of times even replace people with machines, like at McDonald's, you mm-hmm. know, um, fast food restaurants and other places where it's just too expensive. Uh, the business model just doesn't work, right? Yeah. Um, you have Bernie Sanders talking about paying people on his campaign more. But then he cuts the hours. Yeah, right. that just that just came out. I think was Thanks, it this week Bernie. they were talking about that. It's like it yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> I can just imagine that playing. Okay, I've got I've got some good news. Uh, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get fifteen dollars an hour now. Oh, gosh. $15 an hour. Uh, but uh, only the youth couple, though. The rest go home. The rest of you are fired. You can't do this anymore. <laughs> you, you, uh, you need to wave your finger more when but you say to, that. To go back to, 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 to Pete. The, uh, Mayor Pete. <laughs> Mayor Pete. <laughs> he dares, quote, the law word of God mm-hmm. for his own sinful means right. like he is trying to gain political power over mm-hmm. other people so he uses god's word and twists it mm-hmm. calls good evil and evil good yeah. gets it completely swapped and he's a practicing homosexual yeah and it's like if you're going to be quoting proverbs we could also be quoting some exodus and some leviticus mm-hmm. and some deuteronomy plenty of other places the romans 1 <laughs> romans 1 plenty of other places the man obviously hates god and he's spitting on God's word. And it's despicable. To be frank, though, they're all doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to necessarily beat up on him. But this is a prime example of twisting the law word of God and making it say the opposite of what it's saying. Yeah. The English standard version of that text says, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, um, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. That's the rest of the verse. And you're right, going back to the insult, it's, (laughs) we insult God when we insult his word. And his word is very clear on, uh, you said, you know, from Exodus, thou shalt not steal. It presupposes property. Like God is the owner of of all things, right? He owns everything, the cattle on a thousand hills. There's a ton of texts about this. So property is a real thing. Property should be taken seriously. And, and that doesn't mean just your house that you actually pay rent to anyway. Exactly. And to the state. And what we also need to remember is that when they're doing this goody two shoes thing, we're going to provide this, we're going to give you that free, free education, you know, free housing, free food, free daycare, free childcare, you know, um, yeah. everything that they're promising actually hurts the poor in the long run. <laughs> That's what we got to remember. So they're talking about, um, and this is what happens when you abandon God's law. And you think you're going to you know, do good by abandoning God's law. It doesn't work that way. They end up oppressing the poor. So expanding the welfare state, a progressive taxation policy, um, increasing the minimum wage, um, restrictive, quote, green energy policies, um, mm-hmm. which we love the environment, by the way. But, you know, there are certain ways to do that without hampering the economy, um, increasing business regulatory burden. Um, inflating the money supply. That's a big one. Uh, imposing high mm-hmm. tariffs. All these things raise the cost of goods for the poor. These are hidden taxes that are extremely evil. And and these do-gooder Democrat politicians and Republicans, most of them support the same policies, mm-hmm. um, they're actually harming the poor, 
right? And so because they've, de- they've departed from God's law, but they're acting like they're actually supporting the poor. Yeah. They think they are. Yeah. Our, our president right now wants to lower taxes, right? But what is his middle name? Tariff. <laughs> we keep <laughs> Donald the tariff man Trump. And he just raised another tariff. On, yeah. Was it $300 billion of Chinese goods? Yep. No, he's playing 3D chess, guys. Yeah. 4D chess. Yeah. 4D, 4D chess. chess. <laughs> well, and that's what happens. And, and I read this earlier, but the parable of the workers in the vineyard illustrates this concept so perfectly yep. when Jesus says, look, it's it's mine. Can I do what I wish with my own things? Yes. And in basic economics, especially when we consider free market economics, what we would call like a, a libertarian theonomic, you know, understanding of it, um, you have property and you get to dispense of that accordingly. You, you are allowed to pay someone what you wish Absolutely. and they don't have to work for you. Right. You can say, no, I will not mm-hmm. work for that. Um, about two people agreeing. That's it. That's it. Go get a Tuttle Twins book. I <laughs> well, mean, it's pretty basic. And that those are great books, by the way. But on the parable of the work in the vineyard, of course, that book in context, uh, that parable in context is about the nations, that, the fact that the, the Israelites were complaining about the nations coming in. It's a yep. parable to say, hey, it's my prerogative. I'm going to show grace on it. But um, a, a principle of all of the parables in the Bible that in order for the parable to work, the, the presumptions in the parable have to be true. Right. And the, and the presumption in the parable is about property personal property and the owner of the vineyards um you know his um prerogative to offer his workers what he agrees with them Mm -hmm. his contract with them does not necessitate you know a a difference in a contract with someone else and it certainly doesn't necessitate the state to come in and say no you're not allowed to pay him that you're going to pay him this and you so you can only hire him for that many hours and you can hire him for this many hours no that that is a uh, you know and suddenly a restriction of personal property the government steps in and suddenly your cheeseburger costs twice as much as it did you know Absolutely. months ago yeah i i think this really strikes to the root of the social justice debate as well because on one hand you have these progressive liberals essentially advocating for socialism and, and theft uh, and then on the other hand you have you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of republicanism and this macho evangelicalism that's essentially the next wave of march driscoll machismo um and it completely oppresses the poor and forgets the poor forgets the immigrant and hates the immigrant and does nothing to help them either but there's a distinction and it's a super strong distinction is that there's no civil penalty there's no civil demand to go and do this right there could be ecclesiastical demands Mm -hmm. it could be something of that nature if you refuse to help the poor when it is obviously within your jurisdiction and ability to do so but there can't be any sort of mandate from the government to go do that because that would be theft and it reminds me of what um uh, chilton said in um um in one of his books uh, productive christians in the age of guilt manipulation he says again it is sin to ignore the legitimate needs of immigrants and god threatens to destroy a nation that neglects strangers but and this is the huge but this is what's going to separate david chilton from socialists and it's huge uh, but the bible mandates no civil penalties for committing such a sin in other words, some things are reserved for God's providential judgments in history and for the final judgment, when the very thoughts and intents of the heart will come under severe scrutiny to be dealt with according to strict justice. And that is super yeah. important because that's Amen. what I believe. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, yeah, justice and caring for the poor, caring for the immigrant is 
is something we are required to do as Christians. But who has the just jurisdiction of judging right. that? And it's not the government. Amen. Yep. And I just want to, before we, I know we got to roll, but last thing, tying it back to what we talked about, kingdom-oriented local church. Yeah. We in the church do not have a theology of wealth. The only theology we teach in the church about wealth is that it's it's dangerous. But the Bible has so much to say about wealth and how to build it and how to create it and how to, you know. Um, and, and so we don't have uh, wealthy people in the church. We don't have wealth in the church. We don't have um, uh, welfare uh, options that we can handle at hand to people and help people with and disciple them uh, in the midst of that. And then instead, we send them to the state, right? And we just, we enable the state's behavior that we, you know, Christian conservatives, we, we complain about, you know. But what are we doing in the church to supplant that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So all, all of this ties, John, you led the way. We're going to come back to the immigration thing in a minute. Um, but the issue of criminal justice. So we're going to play the next clip and um, we'll we'll talk some more about that. I want to bring in Congresswoman Gabbard. Congresswoman Gabbard, you took issue with Senator Harris confronting Vice President Biden at the last debate. You called it a quote false accusation that Joe Biden is a racist. What's your response? I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place. That impacts Dang. more people. That's, that's some stuff there. So just to set that up for you, you know, this is uh, Tulsi Gabbard, and uh, she's talking about Kamala Harris. And I apologize, I forget their their titles. Um, I believe Tulsi is the governor of Hawaii, and um, Kamala Harris, um, I, don't, I don't remember. Apparently some sort of prosecutor. I don't but remember. But she either. used to be a prosecutor in California. I do know that, yeah, and because yeah. I, I did read up a little bit on that. And... Um, and and what Tulsi is saying, yeah, she was she was a prosecutor, and she, you know, would would throw people in in, in jail for you know marijuana related crimes, not violent, you know, just those kinds of things, things that she described about, um, you know, keeping people in prison past their sentences, not or having exculpatory evidence that would um, uh, vindicate someone and not handing it over to use them as labor for the state of California. These are vile, vile things. And it's said basically that um, in Tulsi Gabbard saying this to Kamala Harris basically ended her, um, this moment ended her presidential aspirations, basically her campaign. Now she's gonna try and recover from this. We'll see if that happens, but this was devastating. Oh, devastating. absolutely devastating. And, and honestly, Tulsi has her own problems. I'm sure she does. <laughs> she, yeah. she has her own problems, but she's surprisingly good on some issues. Democrats can be right on things. They can be right on things. <laughs> right. And she's probably inconsistent even on the things right. that she's good on. Sure. Uh, like when sure. Bernie, Bernie Sanders will campaign a bit about going, you know, being against wars and so on and so forth. He hasn't actually voted right. consistently, right. however. So it's right. probably the same with Tulsi. But yeah, this was devastating and the kind of injustice that she's describing and the kind of ridiculousness uh is absolutely wicked 
absolutely wicked. And again, it's what does God's law say? Are these laws just or are they not just? And even within our own twisted, wicked justice system, this is still unjust, even according to our own standards, Absolutely. much less God's. And, mm-hmm. and we can say very easily, we don't have to be embarrassed about it, um, that we're turning into social justice warriors, that these <laughs> these policies have an inordinate effect on black and brown, Hispanics and blacks in the United States. They're disproportionately affected. It's not to say that white people aren't affected by this too. It's tragic what happens to white people with this stuff too. We're also not making a just judgment on why it's disproportionate, exactly. but exactly. it's just a statistical fact. But it just is, and yeah. that makes it more difficult. And um, you know, that's another reason, another reason why we need God's law to do away with the the prison system, which is totally against God's law. To to do away with the war on drugs, which is totally and and just think, I, be, I believe she said mentioned there was fifteen hundred people she had in prison for marijuana. Mm-hmm. Think of that's one thousand five hundred people. How many? Those are you know sons, daughters, fathers, mothers. How many marriages were destroyed for that jail? How many jobs were lost? Just the wreckage that comes out of that, and then we you know we're paying, and how how how's the prison system profiting on this? And is it it's definitely not efficient how they're paying for it? So we're paying millions and millions and millions of dollars for this stuff. We need God's law. I I it, it reminds me of certain evangelical celebrities, if you will, <laughs> um, berating African American fathers for not being there again and again and again. And yes. There's lots of problems, just like with any other community. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to completely dismiss responsibility. But the fact of the matter is, when you have thousands and thousands and thousands of African-American fathers in prison because of nonviolent crimes that are not actually crimes, according to the law word of God, it be, gets me to start wondering, is the problem African-American fathers or is the problem the laws? Yeah. Right. And disproportionate rates from, from, from white people. I mean, that's just, that's just what yeah. it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, the pejorative, you know, USJW Marxist, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's just, <laughs> can we stop? Can we stop with that? This is the SBC is going through this right now. Um, you, you have <laughs> folks who are, you know, putting out uh, trailers that are basically calling, you know, the people that are in the, the objects of the trailers, their uh, devils. It's, right. it's, uh, it's uh, Michael Moore quality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's just so petty. It's, it's silly. And um, if you cannot, honestly, if you don't have the intellectual capacity to sift through this issue and say, for example, that our criminal justice system is broken and it is institutional racism, um, if you can't acknowledge that. I mean, we're talking about people made in the image of God who have the right and responsibility to live their lives as they see you know, fit without injuring others. Right. A green plant tends to not do that. Right. Um, if, and you're just going to bark at, you know, us or anybody else who's demanding God's law in this situation. Um, there's not really any hope for you. I think one thing that gets lost in translation a lot of times, and it's because people don't understand, frankly, theology or God's law word is they hear words like racism or they hear words like love or hate. And they always think it has to do with emotion. Mm-hmm. They say, well, I think that's a racist policy. And and you tell somebody you think that's a racist policy, and then they get angry with you because they don't have, like, negative emotions stored up against black people. 
They don't they don't hate them in like the traditional sense. They don't have feelings of scorn and uh, anger or what have you. They might about be very that. nice to black people. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But that's not what hatred is according to the law word of God. Like that's not actually how that works. Right. You can be kind to every black person. You can get out of your way to be kind to every black person you know. But then if you support a law which is which is harming them then that's a racist law that you're supporting right so or at least has a racist effect well, ab- absolutely the love and hatred is bound up in the law of god if you show love towards somebody by obeying the law of god towards them and there is an emotional aspect of that yes most definitely i don't want to dismiss the emotional aspect of that right. but sometimes you can even have feelings of affection towards somebody mm-hmm. and hate them if yeah. you think of them as less than you yep right and and last thing we can all day long talk about the negative nefarious elements of intersectionalism or SJWism or all these kinds of things intersectionality uh, some of it does come from you know whatever you want to call it um, Gramsci those kinds of issues and we can we can affirm that all day long but that doesn't mean that anything they've ever said is wrong you know yeah. sometimes they identify things that are blind spot issues for us. Right. And so the fact that we can say at times, well, you know what, this part here, we're going to take it out. That part is right. This is correct. Does not mean that we're then just buying the boat and we're, you know, compromised and we're, you know. And, and a lot just, of these things aren't even new. Most right. of these things aren't new right. even. It just has an uh, an academic label slapped on it, slapped right. on it. So people uh, get scared. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, moving on from criminal justice, uh, <laughs> we have another issue of justice upon us, and it's the health care issue. Uh, the government has put its greedy hands all over it um, long before even Obamacare, but especially Obamacare um, taxing you if you don't have health care. Of course, Trump had something to say about that, yada, yada. But let's go ahead and play this next clip. It's going to feature Mr. Sanders himself. Bernie. Congressman Delaney. You're wrong. (laughs) Right now, we have a dysfunctional health care system. 87 million uninsured or underinsured. $500,000, 500,000 Americans every year going bankrupt. Freudian Because of medical bills. 30,000 people dying while the health care industry makes tens of billions of dollars in profit. Five minutes away from here, John, is a country. It's called Canada. They guarantee health care to every man, woman, and child as a human right. They spend half of what we spend. And by the way, when you end up in a hospital in Canada, you come out with no bill at all. <laughs> health care is a human right, not a privilege. I believe that. I will vote right, okay, that's it. Okay. Cut it. Oh, man. I, I know some Canadians. So many directions um, we can go with this. I know some Canadians. They, they went into the hospital and they didn't come out with a bill, but they also came out with no surgery to fix their hip. Yeah. And, uh, a year later, no surgery to fix their hip. Yeah, my dad came out every year with half of his income stolen from him. So, yeah, but he got free health care, right? I like when, what do you say, 500,000 people, and then he's like, no, 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 $500,000 in people. It's like, oh, he's mixing up people and money. Um, oops, oops. Yeah. yeah. Well, I anyway, think there's a lot of things to talk about. Just, just to, to, to you know, zoom out for a second, we have to remember that they, people try to pit this as free market health care versus free health care. Or, or, you know, and, and it's not the situation. The situation is we have 
right now in America, like it's it's like Frankenstein care. It's it's pseudo market health care because uh, the government has instituted a maze of regulations, you know, wage and price controls, yeah. corporate personal taxes and other regulation It combines um, this coercion care, what I call it, to um, it's it forcefully creates a superficial employer based market behemoth, which eliminates price transparency and competition It's hugely inefficient and wasteful. And then you can call that capitalism and blame the free market when all that is wrong with our system today is a result of government interference from the very beginning with how it was started and how the government interfered to make it the employer-based model and the insurance covering it to all the regulations, the Medicare. We already have universal healthcare, quote unquote, for half the nation who's, who's you know on Medicare and so forth. So it's already a convoluted mess. This is not free market healthcare, what we have today, <laughs> not. Not at all, it, right. it's corporatism. Right. It's the government strongly interfering within a uh, market. Right. And those interferences completely change everything. Yes. And add so many different factors to it where you can't honestly look at the system we have and say that it's either fully 100% governmentally old communism or right. capitalism. Right. And I, I do have to say, even with all that, I still prefer it to what I experienced in Canada. <laughs> still, even with all that, yeah. not saying something. Although, honestly, there are aspects of the Canadian healthcare system that are better than the situation we have in, in the United States. But, but overall, I would still prefer having experienced both. But what Bernie wants is this pseudo-free healthcare. It's not free. Mm -hmm. It's not charity. People aren't paying for other people's voluntarily healthcare, right? They're, they're forcing, they're plundering people. They're getting them together, stealing their property, redistributing to others with a threat of force. And you totally, we, we talk about lack of price transparency in our system now, you totally eliminate price transparency for, price transparency for the consumer, um, as well as any sense of healthy competition between providers, which is what is supposed to drive down prices as it does in every other sector every that other isn't one. heavily influenced by the government. Um, you add in massive spending on bureaucratic administration, and the fact that you have to start rationing care as demand outpaces supply, because once you make everything free, people are gonna be lining up the emergency room for the Band-Aid, right? Um, and so after this whole system is put in place, you call it, quote, free healthcare, and you get to feel like you're a good person, because yeah. you're for free. Uh, but as a result of this top-down imposed system, there's, there's many you know, very noble nurses, doctors, who through no fault of their own, um, have no other market option to ply their trade. So they can't, it's literally making it illegal to be a doctor and just have people pay you for helping them. That's like an illegal activity under this program, right? Mm -hmm. It's insane. Yeah. And so what happens is a brain drain. That's what happens in Canada. People flee and, and uh, doctors flee and they have doctor shortages and, and those kinds of things. So, um, so, so that's the false comparison of the pseudo free market versus the pseudo free. What really is the dynamic is what we want is market health care. I call it Uber care. And that's when you volunteer, voluntarily pay someone directly with your own money to take care of you and your family. Of course, there's a role for insurance to play in this for catastrophic situations, right? But there's in this situation, there's price transparency. There's competition between a plentiful amount of healthcare providers. It's a system free of you know government interference and coercion. It's marked by low cost and high quality of care. And if you don't like the care you're getting at one place, 
you or the prices you pay because it's transparent you go down the street and you go to the next provider who's trying to desperately maintain a good reputation in the community and earn your business and then you can voluntarily choose to pool risk with others and cooperatively contribute to a fund that we talked about for insurance purposes to pay out those for a very costly healthcare event right yeah. and then last thing actual free healthcare good samaritan care the parable of Good Samaritan is not when the government came in and imposed mandatory, yeah. you must buy insurance for this person, blah, blah, blah. No, the guy helped him, paid it, took him to the inn, took his own money, and helped him. Um, it's when someone voluntarily chooses to care for someone else's health with their own money and labor. And this also means that uh, uh, groups of people voluntary, voluntarily combining resources to take care of the needs of others in the community, i.e. churches, could do this. Mm-hmm. Right, That's exactly. actual free health care. Yeah. Before the innovation of the modern American medical system, there were so many privately owned charity hospitals owned by denominations. Mm-hmm. And there's still some of those, but now mm-hmm. they're fewer and fewer Catholic and fewer, churches, stuff like, like that. far between. And even those, uh, their pricing is all out of whack because right. they accept insurance, which changes how they price everything. And it messes up the entire system. Yeah. Frankenstein system. Yep. Exactly. Good Sorry. Stuff. Sorry, Bernie. Sorry, Sorry Bernie. Bernie. Pass. Yeah. yeah, pass. Hard pass. All right, so last last <laughs> video, um, we're, we're going over our time, but we want to get to it because it's the hot topic of the day, immigration. And this is Beto O'Rourke. Is that how you pronounce his name? Beto, oh, I think you got it right. Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, on immigration. and uh, O'Rourke. O'Rourke, yeah. O'Rourke. That was Beto. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, I don't, clearly. <laughs> Not going to vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's too hard to pronounce. Let me Sorry. guess. It'll be another pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But here's some comments he had to say um, on, on the issue of immigration. Um, here we go. The law. But these show of hands are exactly what is wrong with the way that this race well, is not, being we're not, we're not doing that here. <laughs> we appreciate that. Thank you. Congressman O'Rourke, <laughs> you live near the U.S.-Mexico border in El Paso. You disagree with Mayor Buttigieg on decriminalizing legal border crossings. Please respond. I do, because in my administration, after we have waived citizenship fees for green card holders, more than 9 million of our fellow Americans, freed dreamers from any fear of deportation, and stopped criminally prosecuting families and children for seeking asylum and refuge, and for-profit detention in this country, and then assist those countries in Central America so that no family ever has to make that 2,000-mile journey, then I expect that people who come here follow our laws and we reserve the right to criminally prosecute them Thank if they you, do Congressman. not. Thank you, Congressman. Senator Warren, you say the provision That's making... It. So if you want me to set this up for you, basically what was going on there is half the Democrats were basically saying that they needed to repeal the criminal uh, aspect of the law that makes... Um, these these illegals illegal because there's a civil penalty and there's a criminal penalty and mm-hmm. apparently the trigger that allows uh, the president to um, to imprison these people or, or detain them is because it's considered a criminal so half them want to say oh you know let's get rid of the criminal and we'll just make it civilly and you know we'll just you know finagle around it and the other side no we need to keep it and uh, Beto is one of those people we need, we need to keep it illegal criminally too but we just need to you know, help out the dreamers and and the, provide the path to citizenship and lower the green card costs and those kinds of things. So even in the Democrat Party, mm-hmm. there is still this desire to keep it illegal in terms of just, um, you know, Im- free flow of immigration. 
Um, it's widespread. Yeah. It's right. widespread. Right. Um, the when you get down to the actual policies supported mm-hmm. by the Hillary Clintons and the Bernie Sanders and the the Mayor Pete's and uh, the Betos and yeah. you just who there's a lot of them. Gosh, <laughs> when you get down to it, the vast majority of them, not all of them, of course, but the majority of them have very similar policies as even a Trump. There are some differences. For example, they want to shut down like for-profit detention centers. Okay, good. I don't. I don't think they should be making profit either off of that in government contracts. It's just more theft. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, they're not for open borders. They're not for a theonomic, principled view of border control. Uh, they're not in favor of the constitutional view at all, which uh, does not give the right to the federal government to uh, make up laws that would regulate immigration. You do have the right to uh, make up laws for nationalization, but not immigration. So these people have very, very similar views as major Republicans, but they sound nice when they say it. Yeah. They, they denounce the xenophobia. They denounce the racism. They denounce some of the more strict, harsh things. Right. But in essence, they have extremely similar policies. Yeah. But it's all politics again. Yeah, people mm-hmm. don't understand that the the Democrat um, uh, advocacy of of very closed borders, um, protectionism, you know, they want this huge welfare state, and they know they can't keep it if they let all these illegals in, right? And so they want to protect the border, and that, so it's actually a very historic left wing policy to have these very stringently closed borders. Have you ever heard of Cesar Chavez? You know, John, I think you might talk yeah. about this, but yeah, it's it goes back to have these kinds of policies in the Democrat. Well, uh, even, it wasn't in Obama that a lot of these detention centers right. down there were set up. A lot oh, of oh, him, exactly. initiated by him. Left-wing Democratic savior, Barack Obama. Oh yeah, he's secure the border. We've got to secure the border and we've got to regulate it and we've got to, and, we've got to get them back to the line. And, and you, you see these conservatives on social media trying to defend Trump's view on immigration by saying that it was actually Obama's view. Yeah. And I was like, so, so pause for a second. What are we saying? Are we saying that Obama was right? Or are we saying that Trump is right because he's just his hands are tied and he just has to do with what Obama says, which is pathetic and not actually true? (laughs) I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Is Obama correct then? I mean, is are you trying to justify your view because a Democrat did it first? It doesn't make any stinking sense. Right. It always goes back to these underlining philosophies. And And I've said this once. I'll say it a million times. These political views held by the Democrats and the Republicans are oftentimes views that they hold for pragmatic political reasons. They're playing to their base. They're playing for votes. They're not doing things because they truly believe in the ethics of their immigration policy. Right. It's absolutely bizarre when you're looking at the big picture of immigration views over the last hundred years, right. where the biggest proponents for immigration control was less left-wing environmentalists, population control advocates, eugenicists like Plant Parenthood's founder, Margaret Sanger, all praised American immigration control. Praised mm-hmm. it, not because of some sort of uh, Southern good old boy racism, which is what we have now, but because they were trying to control the population because they're all Marxists who wanted a bigger, better 
uh, a world for themselves. They had these kind of utopian ideas of finding a better society through cutting through the gene pool and making sure only the desirables get in, which the desirables were certainly not Mexican workers. Right. Yeah. And and it's the same same thing. Like later in the debate, you hear somebody else say, "Well, we at least want them to ring the doorbell if they're going to come in." And and of course, they're going back to the same like your your border is your house. Yeah. These presuppositions that they're all founded on on Marxist principles of shared property of we all share property along the border when there actually are property owners along the border Mm -hmm. who should be allowed to you know allow um, follow biblical law and allow the sojourner allow the traveler allow the migrant to cross along the edges of his property if we're talking about what the biblical so if we're talking about what biblical John what are borders for in the Bible like (laughs) borders are for we don't deny borders oh no not at all we're very much in favor of borders in fact God's law says do not move your neighbor's border mm. markers because mm. there are these markers usually like stones right. that marked borders but they were for jurisdiction it's whose law reigns in these areas so it's a matter of determining jurisdiction more than anything else and we're absolutely in favor of that so people say how are we supposed to have a border without a wall well first of all we didn't have a wall for a long time but also there's not a wall between Oklahoma and Texas right. and there's there's a river cross part of it but my goodness there's not rivers along every sting, uh, single state border and there's still jurisdictional lines yeah and you have the government coming in and essentially confiscating property private property any Naboth's vineyard anyone <laughs> like <laughs> right. same story to build a wall they have to they, the government actually has to take property from property owners at the border in order to to do this. Well, call me a broken record, but you shall not steal. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it goes right law. back to it. You shall not steal. Uh, yeah. And, and and there's like there's no consistency on this whatsoever. Where the same conservatives that will quote Exodus twenty fifteen when they're talking about even sometimes government funding or taking away their guns or something like that, they're absolutely okay with the government stealing people's land as long as it's for their collectivist fear mongering. Yeah. yeah. Another thing they do is they mm. point to um, I believe in Numbers when um, uh, uh, when yeah, when, when Moses was was trying to enter one of the Canaanite lands and yeah. and they wouldn't let the Moabites, them cross. Wasn't and, it? Yeah, um. and they respected the Moabites. <laughs> Well, what happens to the Moabites? They get annihilated. They're judged for their inhospitality. To yeah. right now, yeah. now I think there is a difference to be made between if a if a literal and they said we'll 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 not come through armed. We'll come through peacefully, you know, and they're willing to show them, and you can watch what we're doing. If if an army is coming to a border, which is as John said, the limits of a civil magistrate's jurisdiction, and they're they're coming with the tanks, and they're coming, you know, that is a border to be defended because you can tell, you know, this is not a situation where you've got you know a mom and and, and her two children and a father, and they're coming to like make a life here, you know, to try and get a job. But and, when when you know, what about when people do call them invaders? Then that's a See, that's a big problem. That's the fear mongering. Conflating two different issues. I, wouldn't you say that calling somebody an invader in this sense is to make an accusation of sin against them? Well, yeah, you, not only criminally, but sinfully. Absolutely. And, and this kind of goes back to some super basic principles there's no due diligence. We're going to treat people like invaders. We're going to treat people like criminals without any evidence or due diligence whatsoever. We're just going to say, because of where you're from, we're going to treat you as if you're guilty. Yep, guilty until proven innocent. And the Bible requires that you allow the stranger, the sojourner, the alien to travel across your land. You are required. And this goes back in a lot of history and 
in in Britain and, and legal history about the requirements to allow people to walk through your property so they can get where they need to go. You know, we, we might apply it differently today, but we, sh- we can't have all these laws that harass the immigrant. Yeah. Yeah. So moral of the story, uh, the Dems get some things right. They get a lot of things wrong, but we can say the same thing about the Republicans, right? Because this is an issue of the law of God. What does God say? That's what we want. That's right. More than anything. no matter what the Democrats or Republicans say, yesterday, today, and today, God's law is good. Yeah. Amen. And I wanted to say too, John, we'll post the link on Facebook when we get there. But John has an article out where he's done some of that research in terms of Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood and the connection to, to immigration. Yeah. So Check it out. NewCityTimes.com. We will put that. Um, we'll put that link out there for you. And just a reminder, please give us review go to facebook go to itunes send us a review we'd love to read it and um you know just you know celebrate you thank you listeners we're, we're so seminary. Thankful. yeah cross and crown <laughs> seminary um you can give to the work here prayerfully consider partnering with us each month uh just to help us keep keep things moving zambia trip along. zambia trip yeah, jason needs to get to africa yeah he sure has there. enough money to get back yes i want to get there and <laughs> i'm get stuck back. in zambia my family would be very much appreciated of that so All right, well, hey, that's it. This is uh, Crossing Crown Radio, John Jordan, and this is Jason. We will catch you later. Jesus is King. Amen. No neutrality, no exile, and no surrender. Grace and peace. Catch you next time. This life sentence that I'm serving I admit that I'm every bit deserving But the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair Cause I've been housing all this doubt And insecurity Now I've been locked inside that house